Congress intending to shame, embarrass, and destroy the businesses of published the tax returns from a former president. In those documents are not only sensitive financial details, but the names of business allies, clients, vendors, who themselves are now subject to harassment by the radical left. If it can happen to a former president, it can happen to you. What do we do? We win at the ballot box. That's what we do. But that takes drive, and it takes a clear, focused eye on the truth. It takes TNN. And Dan Newman. It's a hefty job, but somebody's got to do it. What's the job, Dan? It's finding facts to talk to you about, which is what we do every day here. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the last day of the work week of this week. I hope it's been good for you so far. But let me just say this. We've got some really serious things we need to talk about today. And it has... In large part, it has to do with our government, our government actions, and our government's inactions on some things that we knew we were going to need a real leader to step in on and fix and take care of. Something that this president, I'm sad to say, is egregiously lacking. Instead of leading, I mean really leading, we're going to get into this in just a few minutes But it seems like Joe Biden is contempt to stand on the sidelines and just drive-by shoot at everybody in the nation that disagrees with anything that he says and everything that he does. And he demeans anybody and everybody. Let me just say this. You can tell when someone in your life, and I'm giving you a lesson, you can tell someone that is weak, someone is strong, and the way you can do it is just listen to the way they talk when they talk about things in life. And if they say stuff constantly to put other people down, you know what that tells you? They're very insecure themselves. And they feel like the only way to get any better is to create a perception in other people's minds that they are better than these other people. How do you do that? Well, there's only two ways to do it. Be a real good person, a smart person. And if you want to be a leader, be a good leader by leading by example. But that takes a lot of work. And they don't want to take the time. They don't want to pay the price. They want to just automatically seize all of your emotions, all of your thoughts, when it comes to anything about government. And Joe Biden, he constantly talks about Donald Trump and MAGA Republicans. That's the coined word that the left has come up with to demean anybody who is conservative. If you're conservative, and you know what? There are tens of millions of Americans who are conservatives that didn't vote for Donald Trump. But Joe Biden, to make it easy on himself, other Democrats in Congress, to make make it easy on themselves so they don't have to do the hard work, they just signed on. We're going to call everybody who disagrees with us MAGA Republicans. In other words, instead of pulling themselves up 
to the level of accomplishments and achievements that we the people lived in. We saw it. We experienced it. And it wasn't one person that did it at all, but it was one leader that saw you lead by example. And in a very confident fashion, he led the nation out of a horrible place where we were during the eight years of the Obama administration. I know, I know, you don't like Trump, you don't like his messaging. What I do like, and about 75, 80 million other Americans like, is the fact that he did the deed. He did it. He didn't just talk about it. You're going to hear our president this morning demean us. And when we get there, we're going to do that in just a moment. We're going to go right there at the top of the show. But you are going to hear a president that is so insecure that he can't even bear responsibility for any of the horrors that you've been through on his watch. And people are still living it today. Instead of taking responsibility and saying, look, we made some bad choices. We did that together. We're moving the ship in the other direction, and we're going to do that together. If we pull together, everything's going to be okay. A real leader reaches out to everybody, not just a select few of like-minded, hardcore leftists that sign into that. You can't build people up and even give them a glimmer of a chance to get to the level that you're at. You got to keep them beaten down. How do you do that? You just demean them over and over and over again, and you put down anybody out there that has caught that vision, the true leadership vision, and has shown it in government service. Joe Biden puts all of that down. He puts every conservative American down. You know what for? For being conservatives. That's the sin of this time in America. If you're conservative, you're evil, and you've got to be diminished. Hey, we got a lot to talk about today. Good stuff, too. We're going to get to all of it, and we'll do that right after Chicago.
in everyday life, normally you would listen to the lyrics of a song like that, to titles, Nothing's Gonna Stop Us Now. Obviously a love song talking about romantically. Well, you can take that song title and what it represents, you can just paste it over your entire life, over my entire life, over everything we do, everything we're looking to do. And even Joe Biden could do that instead of just demeaning everybody in the nation who has a differing opinion. It's really something to me to have a president that knows and has lived through, experienced it personally throughout his life. The United States of America is the freest country on the planet, has always been the freest country on the planet, and it's not because of government. It's not because of what the government has done. It's because of what the government has not done. The government has not put their sticky fingers on it. They have been prevented of doing that. Through the years, based upon the structure of the nation, the rule of law that is laid out explicitly in the United States Constitution. So much so that every president in all of the United States history has swore an oath to the United States of America and the U.S. Constitution, which experts from around the world will maintain to this day is the absolute best government framework put in place by any other country. And because it's so good, and the reason it's so good, listen to what I'm going to say. The reason it's good is it doesn't set up the power of the government. Instead, it makes it very clear the government is always to be of the people, by the people, and for the people. That means that the United States Congress, all 535 members, every member of the executive branch, think about the range of people that are put in that bucket. The executive, you've got the military, you've got the Justice Department. All of those are to be governed of the people, by the people, and for the people. Who makes the laws? The people make the laws through our representatives. And Joe Biden, no other president in history, is the legislative representative of an American citizen. They answer to us. I'm going to give you a sample, just a little sample in just a few minutes, that illustrates where Joe Biden is in his thinking and how lost he is in this thing we call life. Every one of us have a different life. No two of us have the exact same life. We have different personalities. Yeah, we have like-minded issues. We have issues on which we disagree. But until now, we lived in a nation where it was okay to disagree with somebody. I heard this my entire life, the fundamental of the First Amendment. The First Amendment gives me the right to say something that will piss you off. I can't think of a better way to illustrate it. That's the guarantee we have. It's not that somebody out there gets to put the meter on anything you say and determine based upon their opinions if you're right or wrong. And this government, 
in just a matter of a couple of years, the process had already begun. There was a four-year cooling period. It was during the Trump administration. The Obama administration, with Joe tagging along, had begun to implement government power, top-down governing of the American people. Donald Trump was just a blip on their radar screen. Joe Biden picked up the reins and he handed them over to the hardcore elitist, whoever they are that are operating our government. Joe's just a stand-in and their intentions are to make sure going forward they never lose the White House and that they never lose control of the United States Congress. They're sick to their bones that they lost the House. But all they look at this as is a temporary distraction. Yeah, it'll be for two years. 2024, we'll take it back. We'll keep the White House, we'll keep the Senate, and we'll take the House back and we'll control everything and we can continue on our march towards total top-down government of every process of living in the United States of America. Whether you believe that or not, I'm telling you, that's where we are today. And nothing is going to change from that picture I just painted unless somehow true conservatives will get the backbone to step up and stand in the faces of these tyrants that are doing everything they can to tear the fabric of our nation apart. And it's not just Joe Biden. It's whoever's pulling his strings, the Wizard of Oz behind the curtains. I don't know who it is, and it really doesn't matter right now. It's not Joe, but it's still happening. And it's happening because of and by somebody. We could do the entire show today talking about who that might be. But we don't need to do that. We need to talk about things that are going on, the purposes, the reasons that they're happening, the good, the bad, and the ugly, and take steps to change it after all. It's still we the people. Before we get cranking here, there's something we need to talk about. This morning, the Federal Reserve's inflation gauge was released, and it eased a bit further in December. Consumer spending fell. Now, that may sound like a bad thing, but to the Federal Reserve, that's a good sign. Hmm, what does that mean? The federal series of interest rate hikes are slowing the economy. Why would anybody want to slow our economy? Well, that's what inflation is. We spend so much money, we can't keep up with the rest of it, and so everything gets more expensive. Supply and demand. The Commerce Department showed that prices rose 5% last month from a year ago. That's down from 5.5% year-over-year increase in November. It was a third straight drop. That makes it a good sign. Consumer spending fell 0.2% from November to December, even through the holiday season, and was revised lower to show a drop of 0.1% from October to November. Last year's holiday sales were sluggish for many retailers. The overall spending numbers for the final two months of 2022 were the weakest in two years. Now, that's a good sign to economists. How they can make that be a good sign, I don't know. But when you look at the big picture and where inflation slips in, and it does it all the time, 
When things get good, we Americans just start spending money. Why? Because we have more money. We're making more money. The central bank's key rate, which is what affects many of us, our consumer and business loans especially, is in a range of four and a quarter to four and a half percent. That's up from near zero last March. Now think about that. You talk about a couple of million dollars and talk about the difference between four and a half percent interest on a loan for that, a business, compared to about a quarter of a percent in interest last year. Big, big difference. So the Federal Reserve, they find themselves in a really delicate position. Chairman Jerome Powell, he's emphasized that the Fed plans to keep boosting its key rate and to keep it elevated, potentially until the end of this year. Yet that policy may become unbearable if a sharp recession takes on. Let's don't even go there. Let's don't even talk about it. We've got other things to say. But anyway, just thought I'd give you that information and let you know spending went down. Went down during the holiday season. There's a lot of big news out there. The biggest story, I guess, this morning is what happened down in Memphis, Tennessee. This is really a horrible story. And it happened by cops. And it happened by all black cops. And it happened to a black man, Tyree Nichols. He was beaten to death by five officers. And what's horrible, and I haven't seen it yet, I looked, it's not out yet, they have body cam footage that shows this entire thing. And everybody, I listened to the mayor of Memphis, I listened to the police chief of Memphis, I listened to some other officers in Memphis that have seen it. And almost 100%, everyone that I heard said, I've never seen anything this bad. If you watch it, be careful, because it's horrible. Murder charges have been issued today for all five Memphis police officers, now relieved of duty, former officers, for the beating death of Tyree Nichols. Those former officers are also now in custody. The people you see on your screen, now in civilian clothing, booked and incarcerated, awaiting what would be a murder trial. They are charged with killing this individual through a knowing state of mind and all five, and we'll explain the legalities of this, accused of contributing directly to the death. This is Justin Smith, Emmett Martin, Desmond Mills Jr., Demetrius Haley, and Tadarius Bean. There are other charges in addition to the most serious charge of murder, aggravated assault and kidnapping. This is a case that has roiled Memphis and the rest of the nation. And in some ways, while it involves the tragic death of Tyree Nichols, it is also a case, as we'll explore tonight, that shows how some law enforcement responses to law enforcement killings are changing. He died three days after being pulled over for what was Something that shouldn't have been a nonviolent interaction, a violent interaction at all, alleged reckless driving. The DA now revealing more about what was a confrontation where Nichols apparently fled on foot and feared for his life. There was a second confrontation then with this violent beating. And this is what he looked like in the hospital. This is a tough photo to look at. I mentioned this when we first discussed this last night with Maya Wiley and in our coverage. But this is a photo that his family put out precisely because they were concerned at the time about his health. This was before he died and about the law enforcement response. This was 
after the January 7th traffic stop. He died three days later. As for the news today and what is the relatively rare charge still across all of America, the rare charge of officers facing accusations of murder. But here's the D.A. today. Each of the five individuals played a different role in the incident in question. The actions of all of them resulted in the death of Tyree Nichols, and they are all responsible. All responsible and all responsible legally. The DA now moving forward with what will be murder trials for five people. Now, the body camera footage and video will be released, they say, tomorrow. There was a a kind of an order to this. The charges announced before this video, whatever is on it, and we have information from the family about their view of it, before that hits the world and Memphis tomorrow. The Tennessee Bureau of Investigations director said this today. I'm shocked. I'm sickened by what I saw. And what we've learned through our extensive and thorough investigation. I've seen the video. And as D.A. Morley stated, you will too. In a word, it's absolutely appalling. Appalling. And these are law enforcement professionals who have seen their share of difficult material. We've also heard from the family, as mentioned, about how they viewed this. And if you're watching this and noticing that this is different, I will tell you as a matter of law, precedent and recent news, it is very different. We're going to get into that tonight. How In other cases, we have heard over and over from many law enforcement professionals, current and former, and many police unions, that you can't do it like this. That it takes months, sometimes years, to conduct these investigations. That you can't release the video right away. And while there are times that this is potentially complicated, and there are certainly factors that go into any difficult investigation revolving around a death, Memphis is showing that they're doing it differently than they and many other places used to. Now, the Memphis police chief spoke out very starkly about this alleged conduct. Again, we don't have the video yet, but what is now the conduct underlying murder charges. And the police chief was very clear about this in terminating the officers. But we should also note uh, that the chief was not present in this dramatic and important press conference today. She did say about the video which she has viewed that she thought it was the conduct showed by those ex-officers heinous, quote, reckless, and quote, inhumane. Here's what we heard from the family's lawyer. He was a human pinata for those police officers. It was an unadulterated, unabashed, nonstop beating of this young boy for three minutes. Oh, my God. That was just some of that obviously difficult presentation. There is a separate and open federal investigation. The rarity here would seem to be significant. The action was far more swift than the vast majority of police brutality cases we've covered, both in the Deep South as well as around the nation. And we're going to get into all of it with more than one expert. But I begin with someone that we call on when we look at these cases, whether there's action or inaction. A former NYPD police detective, Mark Claxton, who also now directs the Black Law Enforcement Alliance. Uh, thank you for being here. Thanks, Ari. Let's start with the case against these officers. That is the big news tonight. And then I want to broaden out to some of what I've mentioned. Um, The DA making it clear that they view the evidence that they have, which has not yet been released, as sufficient to support the serious charge of murder, as well as 
the culpability of all five officers, the contributions legally that they made um, to this very tragic death that, that grew out of a police traffic stop. Uh, your response to that case based on what we know? I think it should be uh, evident to all of us that uh, whatever is on the video, and, and as you indicated, we'll see it shortly, perhaps uh, tomorrow, as early as tomorrow, must be very clear and convincing enough for two separate assessments of law enforcement professionals to speak so boldly and be so offended by uh, what they had witnessed and be motivated enough to actually begin, rapidly begin a prosecution and arrest there is so much more that's going to come out of that case. It, it, it's really horrible on a lot of levels. But what is going to happen, it's already begun to happen, is the blame game. The blame game. Now, I got asked this morning early, was Tyree Nichols gay? Now, why would somebody ask that? Well, because it was a killing at the hands of five black policemen. They killed a black man in Memphis. You wouldn't think that that kind of stuff would happen. This guy, I mean, no, he's not gay, by the way. He has a baby son that he loved dearly. He worked at Federal Express, which is headquartered in Memphis. And Federal Express, they were shocked to hear because he's one of the best workers they have on the FedEx second shift. Maybe, just maybe, the body cam footage, when it's released later today, it will give us a clue. I heard some of the audio from it, and I'm going to tell you, it's gut-wrenching to think that anybody in law enforcement, forget about law enforcement, that anybody would do what they did to another human being. So the left can't play the race card on this one, can they? And I guarantee you, there are people that when they first heard about this, a black man beaten to death by five police officers in Memphis. And it was only because of an apparent erratic uh, driving, alleged driving infraction. Oh, man, cops. Here we go, black man killed by a bunch of white cops. They don't get to use that weapon, do they? So what's it going to be? Let me tell you what would be the best possible scenario for this to happen. That an African-American leader from the South, better off if the leader's from Memphis, that would stand up, it would need to be an African-American man or woman that has a lot of respect by other African-Americans, would stand up and say, Stop it. Stop it. Yes, it was evil this young man, Tyree Nichols, was killed. It's a horror that we can't erase, and nobody can do anything to pay it back sufficient to bring Tyree Nichols back. He's gone. And then tell the African-American community, and I hate to say it, but tell the, tell the far left, Nothing you can do, nothing you can say is going to be Tyree Nichols back. But what you can say, what you can speak is positive things to everybody out there to deflect the hatred and the anger 
Nobody can explain. Even these five cops cannot explain how they somehow justified beating Tyree Nichols to death over any infraction that would happen. There was no gun involved. They were not afraid that they were going to have somebody try to kill them. They didn't respond to an attack. So what happened there? That's the big thing. First of all, we don't know what happened there. But it doesn't matter what happened. The incident is horrible, it's wrong, and there's no real explanation for it. Other than this, evil people do evil things, including cops. And it doesn't have to be a white cop and a black defendant for there to be evil. We now saw five acting evil police officers kill an innocent, apparently innocent, young black man. Evil has no skin color. That's my point. There are plenty of evil white people and plenty of evil black people. And our society has created an environment where all of the isms have to be brought up anytime something like this happens. Oh, there's racism there, and there's wokeism there. And if you didn't fit in the wokeism category, that means you must have been the perpetrator. And if you did the the deed, you couldn't be. You couldn't be a good person. You have to be evil. You know what is already spilling out that is revealing to me how atrocious is the social environment in which we find ourselves today? I've actually heard people using the equity word, equitable, equitable. In this situation, there was none. It wouldn't matter if it had been sticking to what the Declaration of Independence guaranteed all of us. Not equity, but equality. Everybody has the same opportunities here as the person standing or sitting next to them. It doesn't guarantee that you're going to achieve what you want, but it guarantees you're going to have the right to pursue what it is you want. Life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness. Those five officers stole that from Tyree Nichols. He did nothing to warrant beaten to death. I don't care what he did. I don't care what he said. They were wrong. They must pay for it. But none of it will bring Tyree Nichols back. We have more about that we'll get into later in the show. But I just wanted to bring that to you, and we're watching to see, we'll be looking throughout the show today. If that footage comes out, I'll look at it. I will not post it on our website, even if it is available. And I'll share with you some of the stuff on it. Back in two minutes. Have a seat. Hey, where's the food? What kind of meeting is this? There's no food. We just said that so you would show up. What? No food? There's someone we think you should talk to. Hey, Dan, your co-workers told me you haven't done your taxes. 
I just want to say, you can call a TurboTax Live CPA for help. We'll help you get your refund and get back to your life. You'd really do that for me? Yeah, Dan. It's literally my job. Thanks, guys. So there's no snacks? Nothing? I brought kale. TurboTax Live. Now with CPAs on demand. Have you ever wanted to learn a new language like French, Spanish, or Russian, but thought it would be too difficult and time-consuming? Then go to Babbel.com and try it for free. Babbel works because it's built around real life. It teaches you everyday practical conversations that you will actually use. In 15 minutes a day, you'll be on your way to speaking a new language in just a few weeks. Babbel uses a modern conversation-based technique that makes language engaging, fun, and memorable. It starts by teaching you words and phrases. Then, sentences gradually get more complex. Soon, you're practicing short conversations about real-life topics. Babbel is created by language experts who use the space repetition method to help you learn quickly and remember what you learned. With Babbel, you can speak a new language. Babbel, language for life. Celebrating 10 million subscriptions sold. Now try Babbel for free at Babbel.com. Just go to Babbel.com and start learning a new language today. That's Babbel.com. B-A-B-B-E-L.com. Could switching to GEICO really save you 15% or more on car insurance? Did the little piggy cry wee, wee, wee all the way home? You're home. Oh, cool. Thanks, Mrs. A. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Uncertain about what you see and hear in mainstream media? Worried about getting the truth? No worries anymore. Get the truth, only the truth, at TNN, the Truth News Network, truthnewsnet.org. I'm watching President Biden very closely how he processes and handles this incident that occurred down in Memphis. We didn't hear anything about it for days. I mean, it was mentioned. That happened on the 7th of this month. That's three weeks ago. Who made it a big deal? Who brought it to the national attention? Well, it should have been on day one. That's probably another story. President Biden called for calm last night ahead of the expected release from Memphis cops of that video. He said, I joined Tyree's family in calling for peaceful protest. Biden said, and he added, that the outrage is understandable, but violence is never acceptable. 29-year-old Nichols died on the 10th. I'm sorry, I said the 7th. Three days after a traffic stop. That's when the beating happened on the 7th. Five Memphis cops left him hospitalized after a severe beating, and he died three days later. I'm going to watch the president. I got to be honest with you. I don't trust the president. And that's really sad for anybody to say, but why don't I trust him? It's because of what he has done, what he has said, and what he has not done. You roll it all in to my saying, I do not trust him as president. I don't. He got up on a, um, a high horse yesterday, and his high horse, horse, listen to me, horse, <laughs> not horse, horse. That's hard to make the distinction there. Horse means you can't dog like this. Horse is 
got four legs, <laughs> not two. Oh my gosh! Well, he he got up on his um, soapbox, and he's just diminishing. I know this won't surprise you, but he's just diminishing anybody that doesn't agree with him on everything, especially legislation that he has pushed through Congress. And I mean, if we look over our rearview mirror shoulder, when we look at the wake of what has happened in the Biden first two years, single-handedly, he has put this nation in this horrible inflation. He's put a bunch of people out of work. Every day, we hear about the big corporations, 10,000 laid off here, 20,000 over here. No word coming out of the White House about any of it. And then Biden, I got to be honest with you, it looks like he's even losing the support of Democrats. Well, he's losing senators. You know why? Because they're all nervous. Are they going to be subject to the same type of scrutiny? I think the big criminal issue for Joe Biden isn't necessarily records he had from his vice presidency. Uh, because uh, the law, I think, allowed him to take records as he so chose or just take records generally. Uh, It's these Senate records that are classified that are in his possession or were in his possession. You know, there's no out. There's no presidential out. There's no vice presidential out from being held accountable for that, at least. And the question is, are they going to go up to Delaware, the University of Delaware, where Judicial Watch has been fighting for documents for almost two years now to gain access to his Senate records? 1,800 boxes of records are up there, Stuart. We don't know what's in them, and now we can presume classified materials up there as well. Well, we have these congressional investigations that are about to start. In fact, some of them already started. How far can they go? It occurs to me that the White House can always turn around and say, wait a minute, we've got a special counsel handling this. We're going to delay on your investigations. Just a delay tactic. Is that possible? Well, there are two issues of uh, investigation here, at least. One is the FBI and the Justice Department's special treatment of Joe Biden. No raid, no subpoenas. You know, let's cover it up for two months while we're abusing Trump. And the second issue is, is, is President Biden's uh, personal accountability here. And there's nothing to prevent uh, the House of Representatives uh, from asking the president to testify on these issues. You think that's likely? No, but, um, you know, if they're thinking impeachment or something of that nature, uh, it's it's a certainly a possibility. And, you know, Joe Biden is, is put it all out on the table. He says there's no there there and we should all be confident that his documents are secure with his Corvette. You know, certainly that doesn't help his argument that he shouldn't be held accountable. I just get the impression these investigations are going to drag on for months, if not years. Tom Fitton, thanks very much for joining us, Tom. We'll be back to see you again soon. You're welcome. Thank you. That was, now, that was Stuart Varney with Tom Fitton, who's the president of Judicial Watch. Fitton is one of those guys, you don't see him out doing interviews very often, but when he does, he talks about solid, specific probabilities, not possibilities. So Joe Biden is out there, and he is drawing the ire of everybody. I mean, everybody. Nobody can figure out what he's going to do. Should he Should he run again? Should he run for re-election? If he does, is he going to be capable to get the support of enough people to put him back in the White House? That's a big question. 
So it seems to be the mantra from the left that the only way to convince Americans to vote for Joe Biden and put him back in office and also to give him possibly back the leadership in the House of Representatives in the 2024 elections, the only way to do it is to demean all of the people who disagree with those philosophies and stuff. And so with that in mind, my one of my two state senators, U.S. senators here, John Kennedy, he slammed Biden over his latest comments towards, here we go again, MAGA Republicans, MAGA Republicans, who Biden claims suggest policies that would choose to inflict this kind of pain on the American people. What kind of pain is he talking about? Well, he said, last year, our economy grew 1%. China's economy was shut down. It grew at 3%. The U.S. has 13.5% inflation cumulatively. That's what President Biden has given us in two years. So let's just do this. Everybody knows that John Kennedy as far as government goes, is the Mark Twain of this century. And he has a way to put those kind of things together. Listen to Senator Kennedy on a talk show, and I'm not sure, but you may hit a little more of the president in this. What in God's name would the Americans give up the progress we've made for the chaos they're suggesting? I don't get it. That's why the MAGA Republicans deliberately choose to inflict this kind of pain on the American people. Why? Why? This nation has gone through too much. We've come too far to let that happen. I will not let it happen. Not on my watch. I will veto everything they send me. I will veto everything they send me. Um, that from the unity president, uh, that's how we ran the last time around. Sounds like it's a bit of a different tone if that's the beginning of a next campaign. With that, we bring in Republican Senator John Kennedy of Louisiana. Senator, always good to have you with us. Uh, what is your, what's your immediate reaction to what you heard the president say there? I think that President Biden is the only person in the Milky Way uh, who thinks our country is headed in the right direction. Um, look at the facts. Last year, our economy grew at 1%, 1%. China's economy was shut down. It grew at 13.5% um, inflation, cumulatively. That's what President Biden has given us in two years. Average rent up 12%. Average 30-year mortgage has gone from 3% to 6.5%. Uh, average wage down 4%. Because President Biden wouldn't stand up to the teachers' unions, our kids have experienced the largest learning loss in modern history. Um, I, I don't mean any disrespect, but if that was my record, I would hide my head in a bag. And, and it doesn't give me joy to say that, Martha, but those are the cold, hard facts. Now, the American people can't cite you all the statistics 
that I just um, articulated, but the, I can tell you what they do know. They understand that our national debt is rising faster than our national output. They understand, the American people do, that the border's wide open. They understand that crime is way up. Mm -hmm. They understand that respect for our institutions is way down. The American people understand that it's harder than ever to get ahead in our country right now, and it's easier than ever to do nothing. And that's why uh, well over 70% of the people me, uh, think we're headed in the wrong direction. If, if, I'm sorry, if I may, um, just quickly, you know, one of the things that he's talking about there is a suggestion that Republicans want to um, pull back on Social Security or Medicare or Medicaid. You can see the um, backlash that's coming out against any suggestion when you talk about the debt, $13 trillion in United States debt, any suggestion that we should cut some spending somewhere along the line. Quick quick thought on that, if you could, sir. Well, that's uh, President Biden says, my party, I want to gut Social Security and Medicare and Medicaid. And that's just not true. Um, not even George Santos would make up a whopper like that. <laughs> and and he, the president knows that. He just, re, he just believes that, um, he believes that the federal government is what made this country great. I don't, I think ordinary people doing extraordinary things did. But he thinks, thinks that we ought to send all of our freedom and all of our money to Washington and let him make the decision. And so he's happy to keep spending. He is definitely happy to keep spending. I got one little point of um, disagreement with Senator Kennedy there. He was quoting what he feels confident that Joe Biden was thinking and explaining that had to be what he thought to do what he's done. I disagree with that one thing. I don't think Biden thinks about anything specific. I don't believe he's been part of any policy that is coming out of his administration. I think there's somebody else pushing all of that, deciding all of that, and just putting Joe out in front of a teleprompter telling him to read what they have for him to say. How did I come up with that? Can you in your right mind give me an explanation that's plausible for what this guy, any guy, could get up in front of the American people and try to convince the American people that they're better off today than they were two years ago? And not even just that, but we're way better off because of everything he's done. He doesn't have a clue. We don't need to be afraid of Joe Biden. We don't need to be afraid of anybody. I mean, this is government of the people, by the people, and for the people. And we have the ability to change those in government that are leading us. And right now, every day, there are more and more and more Americans that are ready to stand up against this top-down horror show that's playing out on the national and international stages. This government is making a mockery of the rule of law in the United States Constitution and the way our foundation was put together and it's worked so successfully for the people over 260 years. He comes to office and he single-handedly, well, he can't do it single-handedly. He's got people behind the curtains that are pulling the strings. Nevertheless, the results 
whoever's doing it, whoever's initiating it, whoever's ordering it, it really doesn't matter because it's happening. There's a willing group of Americans that are fine with that. I don't know who they are. I got to be honest with you. I've not met a single person that can look me in the eye honestly and tell me things are better today because Joe Biden's president. I don't understand why the American people allowed this to happen because Americans aren't stupid. They're not. There's a policy that has been put in place under the Biden administration very, very quietly that is, right now, it's impacting your 401k, your simple IRA, your retirement fund. And our state leaders, half of our state leaders have gone to bat for you. In fact, a coalition of 25 states is suing the Biden administration over a Department of Labor, his Department of Labor, a rule that affects millions of retirement accounts. I'm not talking about Donald Trump and MAGA conservatives, Republicans, doing something. I'm talking about Joe Biden allowing his Department of Labor not coming through Congress, folks, bypassing Congress, going through the the Department of Labor, who's put out a rule that affects millions of us. The attorneys general of multiple states are involved in the lawsuit. They announced it yesterday. This rule is set to to go into effect the last day of this month. And it allow, listen to what it does. It allows 401k managers to invest clients' money in environmental, social, and governance funds. You may not have heard that, but what you have heard is ESGs. ESGs. That's all over the news today. 99% of Americans don't have a clue what it is. It's a new process that's been put in place. And what it does, it in some cases allows 401k managers, in some cases it mandates that they spend, they invest, yeah, right, they invest a certain amount of money in the in the 401ks they're managing to invest them in environmental social, and governance funds. You know, what the heck are those funds? It should be simple for you. Think about the background of all of this. What's going on around us? Big government, getting bigger, taking more and more control of things. All it is is getting Americans, without any knowledge of it happening, their 401k managers are being forced, there's a rule out, it's in place, goes into effect January 30th, that says these managers have to invest your money, at least a big percentage of it, in these ESG funds. 25 states argue in this lawsuit. 
that that violates the Employee Retirement Income Security Act of 1974. According to the lawsuit, this rule puts at risk the retirement savings of a paltry 152 million workers, two-thirds of the U.S. population, totaling, listen, $12 trillion in assets in these funds. And they're doing it? in the name of promoting the Biden administration's climate agenda. It does this, according to the lawsuit, by making changes to the rule that authorizes fund managers or fiduciaries to consider and promote non-pecuniary benefits, benefits not related to money or financial gain, when making investment decisions. Contrary to Congress's clear intent, these changes make it easier for fiduciaries to act with mixed motives. They also, who's got a motive thermometer that you can gauge the motives of these fiduciaries? (laughs) They also make it harder for the beneficiaries to police the conduct of these managers that are investing your funds. The 25 states argue in the lawsuit the Supreme Court concluded that ERISA requires fund managers to put the financial benefits of investments first and not any non-pecuniary benefits. The lawsuit also contends that the high court directly tied the term benefits to income and doesn't cover those ESG, Environmental Social Governance Benefits benefits. Indiana Attorney General Todd Rokita said ESG investment strategies are not designed to maximize financial returns for clients. Rather, they've been concocted for one reason and one reason only, to impose a leftist social and economic agenda that cannot otherwise be implemented through the ballot box. This is not something That's a fable. This, my friends, is what happens in third world countries. When the government, very surreptitiously and quietly, they ignore the people, they go around, and the ruler in those countries makes an arbitrary decision. And he does it this way. Look, here's what we're going to do. We're not going to tell them about it, but here's what we're going to do, and here's how we're going to do it. Shh. Don't put it out to the reporters. Don't let them know about it. We'll just do it. And we'll all make a buttload full of money because we'll find ways to get that money to be invested in places, in companies that we're all going to be a part of. And some of it's going to work out and they may lose some of their money because of this, but that happens in 501k investments anyway. Do you have a 401k? I said 501, I meant 401. Do you have one? I would suggest if you do, that you go look at where your money is being invested by your fiduciary. Who's managing your company 401k plan? And find out what they have invested yours in. You remember when you enrolled in it, you get some options of where you want your money to be invested. Not companies that part of the option, 
but sectors of our economy and in the investment landscape. Wow. This is the United States of America. We all have the right to question our leaders, and we all need to do that probably a little bit stronger in a bigger way, but I would get on the phone to your 401k manager today and say, look, I just heard about this. I don't want to be a part of that. I don't want to get in the ESG process. If I'm already in, you take me out. You put me in the sectors that I signed up for when I opened this thing. It's a big deal, folks. Get it done if you've got it. From Krakow to Grand Island, Milan to Hanoi, this is TNN, the Truth News Network. A divorce lawyer should be more than just a lawyer. Divorce is like no other experience, especially for guys. At Cordell & Cordell, our clients want a partner standing next to them. Someone they can trust. Someone who understands where they are and how to get them out. We are the attorneys of Cordell & Cordell. We are advisors and advocates for men. Before, during, and after divorce. We are Cordell & Cordell. A partner men can count on. To schedule your appointment, give us a call or visit us online at CordellCordell.com. Duncan is putting a whole new spin on pumpkin at Duncan with our new pumpkin cream cold brew. Smooth, bold, cold brew topped with velvety pumpkin cream cold foam made with cinnamon and nutmeg spices. And there's more pumpkin for you to love, like the delicious fall classic, our pumpkin spice signature latte. Rich espresso topped with whipped cream, caramel drizzle, and cinnamon sugar. That's how we pumpkin at Duncan. Sip into the fall season with the new pumpkin cream cold brew or pumpkin spice signature latte. America runs on Duncan. Price of participation may vary. Limited time offer. Exclusions apply. Are you sure we should be out here? It's pretty cloudy. Come on, that'll pass. Really? I don't know. Yeah, That's just, just swing. I'm holding swing. a... Swing! <sighs> Bob? Whoa. Looks like someone could have used Yahoo OneSearch on his mobile phone. Try Yahoo OneSearch and get news, sports, even weather. Get better results. Text weather and your zip code to 92466. Be a better golfer. Yahoo! Standard carrier text messaging rates apply. Now let me tell you who the string pullers behind Biden, what else they're doing. They are stymieing Joe's on green energy efforts after our interior department announced the blocking of mining, mining in parts of Northeast Minnesota for the next 20 years. Now why would they do that? Secretary of the Interior, Deb Halen, signed a public land order, number 7917. What does it do? It withdraws almost a quarter of a million acres in the Superior National Forest, that's up there in northern Minnesota, from leasing to mining or geothermal companies through 2043. The Biden administration has canceled multiple mining projects over the past couple of years while they're prioritizing a green energy transition which requires mining of critical minerals and metals. So what the heck is going on there? Well, if you dig deeper, like I did, you'll find out that the Biden administration is funding the Canadian mining and metal industry 
as it is desperate to acquire more rare earth minerals to build renewable energy technologies. However, the Biden administration has previously blocked the development of these U.S. mining efforts. So following the passage of the Democrats' massive climate spending package, they started looking to import critical minerals such as lithium, cobalt, and nickel, and may even give money to the Canadian mining industry to acquire these minerals and help push mineral supply chains out of Chinese hands. Although it's desperate to produce these minerals confront the Chinese dominance of the mineral market, the administration has blocked major mining projects in Minnesota and Alaska. So why would this, there's only one reason why this would happen. We have that stuff under the ground in our own nation, in Minnesota. And so Biden wants to block any mining till 2043? What could be a even a possible reason for that, yet alone probable? China's involved in this. Do you know that 90% of those precious minerals that are absolutely necessary to do anything electric on a big major scale, 90% of those mines are owned by China. Now, how much more could we do domestically? We don't know. But we're not going to find out anytime soon as long as Joe Biden's president. He's stopping it. There's only one reason, and that's to make us more dependent upon China. And Joe is telling us from the very beginning, we're going to bring all this back. Mining, manufacturing, we're going to bring it all back to the United States. Yeah, right. So let's just pause for a few minutes and take a look, see what's happening on the other side of the pond for us. The Brits have yanked back COVID vaccination programs. As we in the U.S., we plunge forward with a one-size-fits-all strategy. Now, it's becoming even more of an international outlier with the U.K.'s decision to stop giving boosters to people under 50 who are not in a clinical risk group and to ratchet back primary series vaccinations as well. Nobody's talking about this over here, are they? It's happening in Britain. The Brits' same-day acceptance of the Joint Committee on Vaccination and Immunization's recommendations happened Wednesday also stands in stark contrast to our FDA's often adversarial relationship with its vaccine and related biological products advisory committee, which has been given limited information before votes on COVID vaccine authorizations. Did you know that? You would think the FDA, any of their panels, especially when they're considering the authorization of critical things like COVID-19 vaccinations, And they're not, the members of the board are only getting talking point sheets before they get together to either approve or not approve them. Why would that happen? Where would that come from? Well, the strategy changes, those of the FDA, come 
as undercover video by Project Veritas purports to show one Pfizer executive admitting it was trying to mutate SARS-CoV-2 through directed evolution in monkeys to keep COVID a cash cow for the pharmaceutical company he worked for, Pfizer. Now, the guy's name is Jordan Walker. He scrubbed his LinkedIn profile of all corporate references following this attention that we're giving him. He appears in screenshots as Pfizer's Director of Worldwide Research and Development Strategic Operations and mRNA Scientific Planning. He's been doing that, heading it up, the director, since the June of 2021. This guy knows what he's talking about. Project Veritas didn't catch him in a bar after he's had three or four drinks and heard him say this. That, what we just told you, was immediately preceded by a year and a half as a consultant focused on biopharma growth strategy at Boston Consulting Group, which sponsored, Jordan Walker sponsored his Mandarin language and business immersion from November through December of 2019, right on the cusp of the Wuhan COVID outbreak. Senator Ron Johnson, one of my heroes, a Republican from Wisconsin, he showed the video Thursday, talked about it in a call for Congress to thoroughly investigate vaccine manufacturers and the entire COVID vaccine approval process run by several of our federal health agencies that have been captured by big pharma and grossly derelict in their duties throughout the pandemic. Now, let's look at Europe. Their VAX program has long been more tailored than ours. Sweden, Denmark, Norway, and Finland have either banned Moderna's vaccine for anybody under ages 30 or under due to increase of heart risk or recommended young people to take Pfizer's vaccine. The UK Health Security Agency, and we don't have one of those. We have a bunch of medical agencies in our government, but I don't know of one that is a health security agency. They emphasized in September, the one in the UK, that its vaccine offering for kids 5 to 11, not in clinical risk groups from February to August of 2022, was a one-time non-urgent offering. In other words, they just dropped it in there to see what would happen. Only seven countries had authorized vaccines for children under five. Not a one in Europe. Not one. The U.S. soon followed with the FDA promising congressional Democrats it would lower approval standards if it was necessary. Why would it be necessary? What would make it more necessary? We're told all of these things have gone through exhaustive clinical trials before we bring it to the FDA for approval. The FDA promised Democrats it would lower approval standards if it was needed. Why would it be needed? <laughs> Follow the money. Follow the money. 
the Brits announced day before yesterday unintentionally highlighted their vast divergence on vaccine strategy from ours. Here, we repeatedly promoted the jabs as a break on transmission, demonized anybody that held out, called all of us that didn't get vaxxed, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm testifying now, I'm coming out, I am not a COVID-19 vaccine person. They called me and others like me. We are threats to our communities. Joe Biden actually called us out for that. Parliamentary Undersecretary for Health and Social Care Maria Caulfield in the UK said this decision followed naturally from the UK's focus on reduction of severe disease, hospitalization, and mortality across the population while protecting the capacity of the National Health Service. Their boosters for ages 16 to 49 are going to end on February 12th, the close of the autumn 2022 vaccination campaign, except for those in one clinical risk group. Otherwise healthy, 5 to 49-year-olds can still get a primary series of booster in the next seasonal campaign if they develop a new health condition that puts them at clinical risk. Primary series vaxes in general will become more targeted, adults 50 and up. In other words, the Brits are being far more prudent, far more cautious, and are still, if you heard that, behind the scenes, they are still in clinical trials proving the efficacy of these vaccinations, these COVID vaccinations, before they make them so largely almost demanded by the government for the population throughout Britain. Slight difference there, right? Wow. Now what about our military members? Those that were forced to either get vaxxed or leave. We've been told, we haven't heard from anybody in our Department of Defense about our recruiting numbers and how we're doing. They, of course, kicked a bunch of people out because they wouldn't be vaxxed. So what's going on now? Marine Corps recruiters are reaching out to former members of the Marine Corps who may have left over the COVID-19 vax mandate in a bid to persuade the former Marines to come back. And that's a fact. We have texts that show that. The Marine Corps officially rescinded their vax mandate on January the 18th. It blows my mind the Supreme Court came back and said, you don't have the power to do that. Every other branch of government, they took away their vaccine mandate but several military service groups, they left it on. It was individual Marines taking initiative to share information that former Marines may not have been aware of. Jim Edwards, Deputy Director of Communications at Marine Corps Recruiting Command, said, Marine Corps recruiters are sending out texts to former members who left, active or reserve duty, by the way, asking if they would like to rejoin now that Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin has overturned the mandate. Corps recruiters reached out to individual ready reserve Marines, men and women, who had left the active or reserve forces, alerting them 
that the COVID vaccine mandate is gone, officially been repealed. The recruiters then ask if the members would like to discuss options for returning to service if they were among the thousands discharged for refusing to take the required vax against COVID-19. Multiple screenshots of those messages are out there on the internet if you want to go find them. You think that after getting belittled for over a year by commands, the amount of paperwork I had to do to get an honorable discharge and still getting forced out the second they take that requirement away, I'm going to run back? That was from one of the former members responding to a prior service recruiter. They could implement the mandate again tomorrow. There are no future protections for anybody. The member continued, Joe Biden, his administration, his CDC, his Department of Labor, his military. We are ripe for war by some nut job regime in the nation, in the world. We're ripe for that, and our military is not ready. That would be the reason whoever ever thought about going into the United States and doing anything militarily, now would be the time to do it. A stupid medical decision that had no scientific basis or foundation was used for political purposes by the Biden administration. And now the rest of the nation, i got to be honest with you, I guess this is a confession for me. I'm a MAGA conservative. I'm not a MAGA Republican, but I'm a MAGA conservative. I, I was in the tank for the Trump administration because of the results that the Trump administration brought to me, my family, my business, my employees. And then I look at what this administration has done. There is no comparison. And now they are crying and saying, we're sorry, we shouldn't have done it. Won't you come back? We'll be nice. We just need you to come back. That's exactly what's going on. You haven't heard Lloyd Austin. I don't know I don't know this, the Secretary of Defense. I don't know him. I've seen him speak. I've heard him speak. I know his history. I do know that he has been a failed leader in the military. He was over CENTCOM during the Benghazi attacks. You remember that? He was stationed in Europe at that time. He was over that whole sector of the military. Everything that happened in Northern Africa, throughout the Middle East and Europe, all of that was directed. Whatever the United States military did or didn't do, it came from Lloyd Austin. When we had those brave Americans that were in the consulate in Benghazi that was being stormed and they were screaming for somebody to come take them out. Lloyd Austin is the guy that told those on that jet that were sitting on the tarmac waiting for the call to go and get these men out of Benghazi. He issued the stand-down order, and on his orders... Those four men were slaughtered in the streets of Benghazi.
feckless leadership in this government at so many levels. And who pays the price? The American people do. The following is an important time-insensitive announcement from Staples. Now, for an unlimited time only, Staples is drastically cutting their everyday prices on hundreds of products your business needs. That's right. The clock is not ticking. What? Crawl or lollygag to Staples, and you will not miss this opportunity. These are everyday price cuts. Take a four-pack of AA Duracell batteries, was $4.79, now just $2.99. But act now or later, because these Staples everyday price cuts will be around for a really, really long time. Price cuts like a two-pack of Scotch Magic Tape, previously $4.79, now just $2.99. And Scotch Packaging Tape, now just $2.29 for today, tomorrow, and pretty much every day till the cows come home. But don't hurry. These everyday price cuts are indefinite. To repeat, these prices will last. So stop by your nearest Staples whenever it's convenient and take advantage of these normal, continuing, everyday price cuts. Thank you. Des Moines HelpWanted.com salutes the employee of the month. The one employee you can't live without. The others, let's just call them Dave. Dave, we need to talk about your sick days. What seems to be the problem, Mr. Employee of the Month? Last week you were out all five days. I was sick. Thanks for checking in. You posted on social media that you were at a comedy club on Monday. Laughter is the best medicine. An outdoor barbecue on Tuesday. Feed a cold, starve a fever, or whichever one needs to be fed. That's the one I had. Okay, Wednesday you took a selfie, hashtag faking sick. That was supposed to say freaking sick. Thursday you were at an amusement Park. Somebody stole my phone. They stole your phone and uploaded photos of you at an amusement park. Yes, fake news. Friday, you tailgated in the employee parking lot. Friday's basically the weekend. Everyone knows that. If you don't mind hiring Dave's, go to the huge national job boards. That's probably what you'll get. But if you want more employees of the month, go where local job seekers find good local jobs. We don't discriminate against people named Dave. Dave is a common name, fun to say, and so we're using it as a catch-all for lackluster employees everywhere. Please don't write us to tell us you were insulted by this ad. That would be a real Dave move, Dave. Hi, Tom Bodette. Of all the things invented in 1962, some have faded away, like cassette tapes, and others are still very much with us, like lava lamps and Motel 6. Yep, Motel 6 is celebrating 50 years of giving travelers a good night's rest and saving you more for what you travel for. But we're just getting started. In fact, the longer you watch us, the better we get. Kind of like a lava lamp. Trippy. I'm Tom Bodette for Motel 6. 50 years and the light's still on. Undeniably the go-to source for nonpartisan spin-free news from the world. TNN, the Truth News Network, puts it all together for you every day at truthnewsnet.org. There's a lot of news going on in the Capitol, a lot of things happening in the Capitol. Of course, you've heard that fellow House members Adam Schiff and Eric Swalwell were kicked off the House Intelligence Committee by Speaker Kevin McCarthy. And Democrats in Congress are all in an uproar. I watched as Adam Schiff, he went to TikTok, the Chinese social app, yesterday to announce his run for the United States Senate. And obviously he and several others have already announced they're running for Senator Dianne Feinstein's seat. And yeah, she's approaching 90, but she has not said she's going to leave the Senate. In fact, she is and already has put her name in to run again. It's kind of like Schiff and those people, they have no shame. They're going to do whatever they think is expedient for them in their careers. Anyway, last night on Sean Hannity, Kurt Gowdy, and somebody else, I can't remember who else was on the show, Josh Hawley. Anyway, there were, there were a couple of 
experts on there talking about Adam Schiff and Swalwell being kicked out of the Intelligence Committee. And I thought they had some great thoughts on what's going on in that. Here with more, the author of the new book, Start, Stay, or Leave, The Art of Decision-Making, Trey Gowdy, also Fox News contributor Jason Chaffetz. Jason, we'll start with you. Well, if they, if they didn't like this practice, why, why did they institute it in the last Congress? And, and where, were all the, the, where was the condemnation from Swalwell and Schiff and others? Yeah, look, uh, Nancy Pelosi started this, but uh, that was Speaker McCarthy at his best. He's talking from his heart. He's putting the interest of the nation above those two individuals. Look, Adam Schiff and Eric Swalwell, they would not pass a security clearance to be the crossing guard at your local school, let alone be one of the most important intelligence oversight people in the country. There are hundreds of Democrats that are more qualified to serve on that committee. And, Sean, there used to be a time where you had term limits. First of all, there should be term limits limits for all of Congress, but term limits on how long you serve in that committee so that you don't reveal this intelligence and you don't get compromised like Eric Swalwell is, obviously, as was briefed by the FBI. You know, and, and, and you know, Trey, look at the issue of Jim Jordan and Jim Banks taken off the Jan 6 committee. Um, at that point, the committee was stacked. They put on the two Republicans that voted to impeach Donald Trump, the two people that hated Donald Trump. Uh, I don't blame Kevin McCarthy for saying this. This is a predetermined outcome. They didn't look into what the uh, the sergeant at arms had to say or the Capitol Police chief had to say or why in writing the mayor of D.C., Muriel Bowser, said no to guard troops uh, at any time. Why didn't they look into those issues to prevent any incident in the future from ever happening? Yeah, Sean, that is the best analogy. It, it is not Ilhan Omar. It is what Nancy Pelosi did to Jimmy Jordan and Jim Banks. That was a select committee. The Intelligence Committee, which I served on, is a select committee. Uh, you, you either get selected or you don't get selected. So, uh, look, Swalwell was a bit player. Uh, he's honestly not worth talking about. He was a bit player on that committee. I want to talk about Schiff. For a decade, Adam Schiff has kept you from information that you should have had, like the dossier, the fact that it was used in a FISA filing. Uh, who paid for the dossier? He went to court, Sean, to keep you from finding out things that were true. And then on the other hand, remember the whistleblower that he met with but said he did not, the allegations of, co of, of collusion. The reason the media is upset is because now the New York Times and the Washington Post and Politico are not on the Intelligence Committee. Because Adam Schiff was the most serial leaker that I served with. Jason may have another opinion, but he was a serial leaker, which means those news entities now are not getting the information that they never should have gotten in the first place. You know, I, I would argue, Jason, that the FBI now, that this investigation in judiciary by Jim Jordan, who was on last night, uh, is more relevant than ever. Uh, because of what Trey was just uh, talking about, and that is as it relates to the FISA application and the dirty dossier that Hillary paid for being used. Uh, then we have 2020. Uh, you have a young FBI agent who wrote a thesis about how Trump and Russia colluded in 2016, setting up FBI agents to meet with big tech companies once a week and tell them and warning them, oh, you're going to be fed misinformation. It may even be about Hunter. Because they had the Hunter Biden laptop since December 2019. Do we need the FBI to be disbanded and do we need to start again? 
You need to lop off the head of that organization. If you don't get rid of the senior management and the people that are running counterintelligence and some of these, uh, you know, Washington-based issues, then you're going to continue to have problems. Uh, Director Ray was put in place to be an agent of change. He has not been. I, I think the Twitter files will reveal. I think the so-called church commission that Jim Jordan is going to head up with some very serious members of Congress who actually want to dive into the politicalization of the FBI. That has to happen so that justice is believed by both Republicans and Democrats. They aren't just looking after one or no. the other. Get rid of the politicalization. Do what they need to do. In our most trusted organization, it has a serious problem and it needs fixing. Trey Gowdy, same question. Last word. Well, speaking of a laptop, Sean, you just proved the point. What did Adam Schiff said? He said it was Russian disinformation, even though John Lee Ratcliffe, the DNI, said it was not. And everybody knew it was not. But Schiff said it anyway because it was politically expedient to say. Congratulations to that reporter. She got Kevin McCarthy more upset than I've ever seen him the whole time I've known him. Good move, Kevin. Good choice. All right. Trey Gowdy, thank you. Jason, thank you. I can't believe we're still rehashing the expulsion of that pair from the House Intelligence Committee. I mean, everybody knows what they were doing. If you remember, when they had those classified hearings down in the basement, the skiff, you had to go in, you couldn't take your phone in, you couldn't communicate with anybody, they closed the door, nothing was recorded. It was common knowledge every time they took a break, everybody would go out, go get something to drink, go to the restroom, Schiff, Adam Schiff would be over in the corner with his cell phone out talking to somebody. He was giving information from the classified skiff meeting that they had to the media. And it was common knowledge that's what he was doing. You know, there are plenty of evil people in the world. And there are only 535 people that serve in Congress that are elected. 535 of them. Isn't it possible that the congressional districts in the states that elect these members of the House of Representatives and the United States Senate, can't they find 535 honest ones, ones that will tell the truth and ones that will follow the law? Can't we find 535 like that? in a nation of 300 and almost 40 million people? Now, I've said that a bunch. And I've had people say, well, look, why don't you run? And I went, and you put that in the context of what I just talked about, can't we find, here's the deal. Most people, like me, I would never want to serve there because to be successful at getting anything done, to get anything done, you've got to compromise. You've got to compromise, in some cases, your morals, things that you believe. There are really good people up there that, on the most part, have been able to not get caught up in that. Who are those people? Sadly, very few of them are in leadership. These are people that refuse to give in to the system and do it the politically correct way and want to stand up for the right thing, the honest thing, 
the truthful thing and the thing that fits the best scenario for the members of their district who elected them to go do that or their state who elected them to go up there and be a U.S. senator. There may not be 535 that can do that and will commit to do that and stay on the straight and narrow. I don't know. Now let's segue very quickly to something we don't talk much about now, the war in Ukraine. Biden announced that the U.S. is going to be sending 31 Abrams tanks to Ukraine. The Abrams tanks, that's a big deal. We had sent tanks over there, but the Abrams tank is much larger. It's very technologically way above any other tank that any nation has. And the Biden administration had been hesitant to put those out there. They were concerned that that would send a message to Vladimir Putin that the United States was all in for military support for Ukraine. White House Communications Chief John Kirby tried to assure reporters and Russia that the tanks would not be used for any offensive purpose. But clearly the hope is to retake territory by attacking Russian forces. So our involvement, whether it seems to or it doesn't seem to, it's gone up. Other NATO allies, their support has gone up for Ukraine. And advising Ukrainian forces is an escalation that brings the West closer to outright conflict with Russia. And while Russia has been weakened, it would be no match for us if we got in a war. That's what the experts are saying. I don't necessarily agree because our military forces across the board have been diminished by the Biden administration, this vax mandate that just tore up all of our military services. I write as someone who has been a Russian hawk for many years, long before Putin rolled his tanks into Georgia during the 2008 Olympics, and this is Joel Pollack talking. I write about this. Then candidate Barack Obama emerged from a beach hut in Hawaii to mumble something about restraint on both sides, as if both Russia and Georgia were equally to blame. As president, he and Hillary Clinton pressed the reset button, and they abandoned Eastern Europe to Putin. Now, that's the opinion of Joel B. Pollack. John Kerry, having invited Russia to return to the Middle East with a bogus deal on serious chemical weapons, sputtered about Putin playing by 19th century rules as Russia easily conquered Crimea under Obama's nose. But even that wasn't enough to prod the Democrats to take a tough line. Only the fantasy that put Putin had helped Donald Trump win the presidency stirred Obama and Biden and their party into 1980s-grade anti-Russia hysteria. Still, when Biden took office, he fell back on the old strategy of appeasement, lifting Trump's sanctions on the Nord Stream 2 pipeline and got nothing in return. Putin interpreted that as a green light, and Biden's belligerent posturing over the past year has partly been an effort to make up for his own blunders. 
gone and long forgotten are Biden's declarations that, quote, diplomacy is back at the center of our foreign policy. Now, it's heavy weaponry, Abrams tanks. So it's all well and good, to a point. The Russians failed to take Kiev, thanks to the bravery of the Ukrainians, not to Biden, whose administration urged President Volodymyr Zelensky to flee rather than to fight. American weapons helped Ukraine withstand the Russian advance in the eastern and southern regions, and even at times to regain territory. The resulting stalemate produced the perfect opportunity for a peace settlement. But Biden and Zelensky continue to press ahead. Nobody knows why. The U.S. foreign policy establishment seems to believe that the Russian military is close to collapse and that Putin may be forced from power. There's little thought given to what might happen to Russia afterwards or how a Russian collapse would strengthen China. There are also commercial interests at work here. One hesitates to blame the military-industrial complex. Yet, here we are. Zelensky. He's the nice guy over there, right? The nice guy. Ukraine President Zelensky has rejected the prospect of peace talks with Putin while dismissing his Russian counterpart yesterday as a nobody. I mean, this guy's a lightning rod. He really is. He's an actor, and he does a great job. I'm talking about Zelensky. He used an interview with Sky News to declare Putin doesn't want negotiations because he doesn't want peace. The Ukrainian leader said he was convinced Ukraine was just the first step for Putin, who had his eye on other countries because he seeks Eastern European domination. When he was pushed as whether a face-to-face meeting with Vladimir would help pause the conflict, Zelensky switched from Ukrainian to English, and he said this, it's not interesting for me, not interesting to meet, not interesting to speak. He said of a meeting with Putin under the Normandy format before Russia's full-scale invasion of, on February 24th, quote, I saw the man who said one thing and then did another. After the full-scale invasion, for me, he is nobody, nobody. So Zelensky's continual dismissal of Putin in a continuation of personal barbs between the two sides, going back as far as last March, when Russian Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov labeled a Ukrainian leader a neo-Nazi. This is not the first time both sides have been subject to speculation about the prospect of talks. UN Chief Antonio Guterres sought to cast himself as the peacemaker between Russia and Ukraine last year, issuing a letter calling for a ceasefire and talks to be personally brokered by the veteran Portuguese socialist. Both sides showed scant regard for Guterres and roundly ignored him and the globalist organization that he represents. I don't see the Ukrainian thing ending in a good way. 
I just don't. I think you've got two monstrous personalities. You've got one that has a bunch of power, and he's been using that power for years. The other one is obviously a novice, former actor, comedian, stand-up comedian. I'm talking about Zelensky. I don't see it. It, it. It's happening. And it's wreaking havoc around the world, not just in Ukraine, on the Ukrainian people, but Ukrainian refugees, they're leaving their war-torn homeland. And they have said that they feel scared when they go to England, as there are, and I'm going to quote one of them, too many Muslims in multicultural cities like Birmingham, England. A report released this week from the British State on Channel 4 broadcaster on the status of the integration of Ukrainian refugees in the UK. It showed that some of those forced to leave Ukraine as a result of the war with Russia were shocked and even scared to death by the ethnic makeup of the parts of England they found themselves living in, namely people that did not know English. Just over 100,000 Ukrainians have sought refuge in the UK. The vast majority of them are women and children, but not all of them have found it easy to settle into a country where the ethnic diversity and cultural values are very different from what they've been used to back home. Speaking to one television editor, a Birmingham woman who opened her house to a refugee under the Homes for Ukraine scheme said that the refugee mother told her that she wanted to leave the area as it was dangerous because there were too many Muslims and too many people with different skin colors. The Ukrainian mom also was fearful of sending her son to the local school in which the majority of children happened to be black and Asian and because there were not enough white kids. We hadn't necessarily taken into consideration the cultural differences, the Birmingham homeowner said. The majority of my neighbors, she said, are Muslims. A lot of them are Kashmir's or Pakistan's, Indians. And they're wonderful people. You just felt you just would sort of give them the time. Perhaps we'd come to the same conclusion. War is a terrible thing. And it impacts everybody, everybody in a country that is involved in a war. If it's two countries, every citizen on either side. And leaders need to understand that. And in many cases, once a war has started, there's no way to go back to the beginning. And that means things will forever be different. You can't take them back. You can't put the genie back in the bottle. I think we're looking at that in Ukraine, in this Russian-Ukrainian war. Vladimir Putin has no history in his past that shows he would ever give up. Zelensky obviously doesn't have a leadership and government past, so we can't tell. He talks that way, and so far his actions have proven to be that way. But here's the deal. He's not operating on the resources of the Ukrainian government anymore. The resources that he has to go to war and use in war, they come exclusively from NATO allies, U.S. allies, 
And there are just a few countries over there that are Ukrainian allies. And the leaders in all these countries, except ours, of course, Joe Biden, he's all in the tank. He's got some kind of quid pro quo deal going with Vladimir. You can book it. We've sent $130 billion to Ukraine so far, way, way, way more than any other country has done. In fact, probably if you added all the outside support that has gone to Ukraine, our $130 billion may be more than the combined total of what came from every other country. I don't know that. I have a suspicion that's the case. Or we, even if Ukraine does it, if he says, I'll never settle, I'll never go try to negotiate a peace deal. I don't see the United States in a position where we can ever back out of this. I think we're in it for the long haul. And I got to be honest with you, that part really scares me. What can milk do? Well, it can turn you into a morning person. It can help fuel some pretty tough stuff. And it can definitely make cartoons funnier. No, it can't. Oh, well, you can have a little edge. But come on, even kitties love it. It'll keep up with you at any age. It makes engines whir and creme brulee cremey. It's one of the easiest labels you'll ever read. And anything that makes this happen is pretty special. In fact, what can't milk do? I pass through the trees. I leave behind the mountains. I weave in the air. I fly over the birds. And I wish when I complete my journey, I leave behind a better world. Honda Civic Hybrid, India's first hybrid car with IV Tech engine. Leave behind a better world. Does it matter to you that all our chefs are well-trained? Or that our kitchens are both SLSI and GMP certified? That we freshly bake goodies throughout the day? Well, it matters to us to know that your family will enjoy every bite. At Kiehl's, we're fresh because of what we do. But more than that, we're fresh because of you. Starbucks Via Instant is made with the same 100% Arabica beans served at Starbucks. So it's the only instant with the rich, delicious taste of the Starbucks coffees you love and takes only seconds to make. Starbucks Via Instant, the only instant coffee of its kind. Available in black flavored lattes and iced coffee. Always good to hear a southern band there. Sweet Home Alabama. That's a great song. That's a classic. Everybody knows that song. I hear people, anytime it comes on, when you hear that very unique guitar sound at the beginning of that song, I hear everybody that starts singing. What was the movie? I think maybe it was uh, Sweet Home Alabama, remember? It was a good movie. 
But anyway, the song was featured a lot. Had people in the South, I think it was Georgia where it happened, and they were dancing their butts off (laughs) whenever the band played Sweet Home Alabama. Where's Donald Trump? Has anybody heard from him? Interesting, isn't it? He spent the final months of last year reeling. He was blasted for electoral setbacks in the midterm elections, media disasters. Many of those high-profile endorsements in the midterm elections that he gave, they flopped. His attacks on some popular GOP governors in Florida, Virginia, Ohio, and Georgia did little damage to their reputations. His 2024 campaign launch, to be honest with you, was just a snooze. His infamous and inexcusable dinner at Mar-a-Lago with that high-profile anti-Semite put him on the political fringe. By the end of last year, Donald Trump appeared to be fading from the national conversation, and it looked like his chances of winning the Republican nomination weren't going to happen. But guess what? hes I guess he's a cat with nine lives. Now his chances are brightening. Trump still continues to dominate in the polls of Republicans. He's drawn even with President Biden in head-to-head matchups. He lobbied successfully for Kevin McCarthy to become Speaker of the House. His loyalties and loyalists on the House Judiciary Committee, Oversight Committee, and the weaponization of the federal government committees will be sure to advance his interest looking ahead at 2024. He's plotting his return to Facebook and Instagram, and possibly Twitter. He's already got Facebook. I looked late yesterday, and on his page it's active, but he hadn't posted anything. And by the way, his connection with the base of Republicans, it's still strong. Most important of all, Trump's rivals in both the Democrat and Republican parties are repeating the mistakes they made in the run-up to the 2016 election. The Democrats assume there's no way for Trump to become president. Republicans believe he's going to fade from the scene. The failure of anybody to learn from history, specifically in this case, has made it possible not only for Trump to win the GOP nomination for the third straight time, but to pull another inside straight in the Electoral College and return to the White House. It's possible, and every day it seems like it becomes closer to probable. For decades, Trump has said that the political class is corrupt, they're incompetent, and that Republican leaders lack guts. Washington is doing its best to prove him right. His recovery began on January the 9th when news broke that classified documents had been found months earlier at the D.C. office President Biden used from 2017 to 2019. Biden, by the way, who had called Trump irresponsible and worse 
when the FBI got those classified materials from Mar-a-Lago last summer, when this came up, Biden was exposed as a hypocrite. Attorney General Merrick Garland came under intense pressure to appoint a special counsel for Biden since he already had appointed one to investigate Trump for mishandling classified information and for subverting the last presidential election. The AG relented January 12th and tapped U.S. Attorney Robert Hur to lead the Biden inquiry. January 20th, the FBI searched Biden's Wilmington, Delaware home, though not his home in Rehoboth Beach, and unearthed there more secret papers. A few days later, former VP Mike Pence disclosed classified documents had been found at his house, too. So what does all this mean? It's chaotic. It's ridiculous. It's a boon for Trump. Politically, there is no way that Garland can indict the sole declared candidate for the presidency in 2024 and exonerate Joe Biden, who's expected to announce his own re-election campaign soon. If Garland were to do that, Trump would then be able to portray himself and do so reasonably, by the way, as a victim of a double standard. We never see double standards in this government. Everything's always on the up and up and equal, right? Biden's boneheaded handling of the documents also reinforces one of Trump's core beliefs. Everybody in politics behaves corruptly, but he alone does so without pretense. Trump still must worry about separate inquiries in D.C. and Atlanta into his conduct after the 2020 election. The fight with the National Archives over his papers, it's a sideshow. If anything, it's Biden who ought to be concerned. The president's changing statements on the subject and the drip, 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 drip of stories about the material in his possession raise additional doubts about his honesty but certainly about his competence. House Republicans, they plan to scrutinize the Biden family's influence peddling business, and that's what it is, a business. They're desperate to find a connection between Hunter's laptop from hell and the government intelligence in Joe Biden's garage. Democrats have long memories. They remember how Hillary Clinton's mishandling of classified information dogged her in 2016 They don't want to go through that mess again. They may not have a choice. Whether it's the document drama or the looming presidential campaign, history seems to be following a path that it traveled once before. Not only has Trump frozen the GOP field with potential challengers not expected to announce their candidates for months, if ever, Trump also benefits from the same dynamics that helped him back in 2016. His opponents think he's going to just disappear. A multi-candidate primary gives him an edge, and no Republican wants to attack him one-on-one. Nobody does. Recently, a few high-profile Republicans have predicted that Trump won't be the GOP nominee. These prognosticators share certain traits. Uh, None of them thought Trump would win in 2016. They said Republicans would win big in 2022. 
and they no longer hold elected office precisely because of the changes Trump made to their party. Donald Trump inspires a form of wishful thinking among certain groups of people. It's a collective illusion that despite all evidence to the contrary, someday his behavior will change and he'll be content to just play golf. Well, it won't. And he's not. The way to thwart Trump is for voters to choose someone else. Novel idea, huh? (laughs) That outcome is less likely in a multi-candidate race. In 2016, the non-Trump vote divided three ways. Who were those three choices? Ted Cruz, Marco Rubio, and John Kasich. That fractured allowed Trump to capitalize on the winner-take-all structure of Republican primaries and win significant contests. Eventually, he won the nomination with a plurality of votes. Same thing is happening in polls today. As Nathaniel Raitkich observes at 538, when pollsters offer Republicans several choices, Trump wins by a huge margin. But in head-to-head matchups with Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, he's on an equal footing. Maybe even the polls say he'll lose to DeSantis. Today, DeSantis presents the biggest obstacle for Trump. He sits atop the field in state-level polls of New Hampshire and South Carolina. He's a proven winner and a proven fundraiser. He knows when to pick high-profile battles that endear him to conservatives and the MAGA crew. His crusades against wokeness is a way to unify the party behind a tough and competent executive who hasn't alienated suburban independence in his home state. If nominated, he'd represent a rising generation for change against an 81-year-old incumbent who's been in politics for half a century. For now... Democrats and Republicans are gambling that they can behave in 2024 just like they did in 2016. But doing that and getting different results. (laughs) And it usually doesn't work out that way. In fact, insanity defined is doing the same thing over and over, expecting different results. That's a wrap on the week. That's a wrap on Friday. You guys have a great weekend. We'll see you Monday morning, 9 a.m. Think positive all weekend. We'll see you Monday morning. Have a great one. They paid paradise and put up a fucking line. With a pink hotel, a boutique, and a swinging hot spot. Don't it always seem to go? Got till it's gone. It'd be in paradise and put up a fucking line. They took all the trees and put them in a tree museum. And they charged the people a dollar and a half to see them. No, no, no. Don't it always seem to go that you don't know what you got till it's gone? It'd be in paradise and put up a fucking line.
She wanna give 